You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. I am Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars, along with James Rapine of Locked On Bengals. We saw a national televised game of the Bengals last week. Joe Burrow looked good. James Rapine, I saw you live tweeting from the game. What is going on, my man? Not much, Tony. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's another week. Week three is here. And, hell, there's a lot of storylines to dive into. Let's get into it. I heard there's a running back signing in New York to help replace Saquon Barkley being injured. Devontae Freeman. Welcome Finally. back. The 28-year-old. I was wondering when he was going to sign, Tony. You, you know, in, in – he turned down that contract from Seattle this offseason, and then he visited your neck of the woods in Jacksonville a couple of weeks back. And I was like, oh, that could be interesting. But, you know, James Robinson had something to say about that. So I, I, think, uh, I think it's a good fit in New York, him and Deion Lewis. And, uh, you know, the Giants' skill players are pretty decent. I mean, unfortunately for them, the rest of the team isn't too good. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, it's a fit because they need him. And he's going to get some carries. He's going to get some touches. Their only alternative right now is Deion Lewis. That, that team, uh, if I'm sitting here thinking about a team that's going to make moves, matter of fact, two teams that are going to make moves, they happen to play in the same stadium. I don't think Dave Gettleman is safe, and I don't think Adam Gase is going to be safe. Speaking of Adam Gase, what is wrong with the Jets? It, 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 I, I've said this before. Pete Axdown, I, I love. If people don't know who he is, he's – Back in the day, uh, he was on NBC back in the day. He once called them the big green fungus in New York. And it is like, <laughs> it, it, it could be more fitting. It couldn't be more fitting right now, man, because right now they look like one of the most inept football teams I have seen in a long, long time. And f they really don't have any excuses because they've had high draft picks. Joe Douglas has his work cut out for him. There's no doubt. I, I mean, I look at those two teams in New York. Are they the two worst teams in the league? I mean, they might be. New York might be the home of, you know, 31 and 32 when it comes to the power rankings. And the Jets are obviously 32. I, I don't know what – here's the crazy part is this is kind of a, a year where you want to determine whether or not you're going to pay Sam Darnold. And I still don't know because he makes boneheaded decisions. But what, what, what's around him? You know, you don't know what that guy is or what he can be. You know, they let his top receiver go. And Robbie Anderson, I look at Carolina, look at his stats. Well, he's playing well the past couple of weeks. And I know he's inconsistent with the Jets. But I don't know who Sam Darnold's throwing to. With Jamison, Jamison Crowder out, Le'Veon Bell on IR, there's just not much there. And, uh, heck, even Brashad Perriman went down this week, as did a bunch of guys. So, I, you're right. I, I feel sorry for, for Sam Darnold. I think Adam, Day, Adam Gase is a, a walking, you know, dead coach walking. I mean, that right. dude's done. You know, and, and walking pink, uh, walking pink. No, no doubt, and it's just a matter of when, not if. And I think the when is going to be 
this season, but you know, before the end of the year, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I didn't get the hire at the time, Tony, by the way. I didn't uh, either. And I certainly don't get it now. The way he looked at his press conference, remember he was sitting up there with his eyes yep. all bugged open. Well, yeah. well, he doesn't realize that when he was at the press conference, I was looking at the TV screen the same way. I was looking at him the same way he was looking at everybody else like, what in the hell is he doing up there? But it doesn't look good for Darnold when you look at Jacksonville, who we'll talk about in a minute, and I'm proud to talk about them in a minute because I was a little bit wrong by them. It, it, when you look at Gardner Minshew, okay, and then you look right there in the state of New York, but you just go upstate and over to the mafia and you look at Josh Allen, who everybody and their brother picked at, saying he couldn't throw a rock in the ocean and he couldn't hit a train with a strawberry and all of this, all of this other. And this kid looks like the second coming of, you just named the, the good quarterbacks. Through two weeks, Josh Allen looks like the real deal. So it doesn't help at all. It doesn't help at all. Sam Donald's cause when Josh Allen looks like a world beater compared in the same division now mm -hmm. compared to Sam Darnold. It doesn't help. And structure matters. I mean, I think that's the, the prime point right there because coming out, I was, I don't know if I was sold on Sam Darnold, but I sure as hell wasn't sold on Josh Allen. Right. But, but the structure, right. What Sean McDermott has built there, the way they've drafted, the way they've attacked free agency. They go get Stephon Diggs after a year after signing John Brown and Cole Beasley in free agency. You know, they've put weapons around Josh Allen, and they haven't, you know, been wishy-washy with it. They didn't go cheap with it. You know, they're going after it and attacking, and good for them because the division now is open, and the Patriots are still going to be there in that AFC East, but so are the Bills. And meanwhile, the Jets – do they win four games? Because right now, it, you know, we could be talking about Trevor Lawrence to the Jets, right? And them winning be. one or two games this year, which, by the way, awful destination. You want to ruin Trevor Lawrence? Right. Send him to a place like the Jets that has been just dreadful. You know, we, we talked a lot about that nationally, about, you know, Burrow landing in Cincinnati. I would hate to land in, in New York with the Jets with that pressure and that dysfunction. Well, the one good thing, I, I love your point, but the one good thing is I do think Joe Douglas is the real deal. I, but they would have to change coaches. The other thing is, is that because teams have been hesitant, and there, there's a little bit of a history, a recent history. I think it started with Osweiler when whoever it was that gave Osweiler, I think it was Houston, they gave Osweiler all that money, and then they realized six games in it, it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. they paid Cleveland a second-round draft pick to take all of the money, to take the contract and all of that stuff. I think it started with that, and then, I, and then I think it was Arizona the next time when they traded up for Rosen and they realized they made a mistake and they had a high pick. And they, teams are no longer willing – and I think uh, Philly did it. I think Philly signed uh, Sam uh, Bradford, and then they drafted Carson Wentz and traded Bradford right away. Teams are doing something that they never did in the past. And what that is is even if they commit a high-priority resource and money to a quarterback – Nick Foles, the Jaguars gave him $88 million or $50 million guaranteed. Boom, next year he's out of here. Once they realized they made a mistake, because somebody was able to do that and break the mold, and I think, I don't know who it was for, it may have been Osweiler, may have been uh, Kyler Murray under uh, different circumstance. I think GMs have the, the gumption, if you will, to walk into the office of the owner and say, uh, boss, uh, we made a mistake, we screwed up. But we can fix it because look how it turned out for this other team. They admitted they made a mistake and then they got it right. So mm -hmm. I think with those examples, 
it's going to make it easier for Minnesota to draft Trevor Lawrence if mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins continues to play like I'm playing quarterback in Minnesota. It's going to make it easier for them to give up on Sam Darnold. I, I think that's what's going to happen here in the near future, and I would not be shocked and surprised if he's a generational talent. But let's talk about some older quarterbacks, and let's go not so fast. I want to not so fast here real quick for our listeners. Not so fast on canceling Tom Brady, and not so fast, and i get your opinion on both of these, not so fast as going ahead and putting New Orleans in the Super Bowl after week one <laughs> because they lost last night, and then not so fast of canceling Derek Carr because now he's 2-0. What give me your opinion on all three of those guys? And we ain't going to mention Cam Newton yet, right? So go ahead. Give me your opinion on those, Reagan. Well, let's start with Derek Carr. I mean, good for yeah. the Raiders. Yeah. Like, J- John Gruden, man, people question him and give him all loads of crap. And look at him and look what he did. Look, they, they opened that, I that gave stadium, him crap. I gave that him gorgeous crap. stadium. Every, I think everybody did at one point or another. But that gorgeous stadium in Vegas with a win – they controlled the game. I mean, they're down 17 to seven and then they just controlled it. And yep. it, you are waiting for new Orleans to counterpunch, and they really couldn't. And I, I think that's kind of the story here. Drew Brees didn't push the ball down the field at all. No. And you're in a dome and I get it. You don't have Michael Thomas and that is a huge loss, but you were just expecting, I know I was, all right, he's going to find Jared cook. All right, he's going to, you know, connect on Kamara for a huge game. Something's going to happen, especially after that fumble to start the fourth quarter with Richard, and and that didn't happen. And instead, Richard had the knockout blow with the score. So good for the Raiders. I'm not pressing panic on the Saints. I still have them winning that division. But if Breeze can't throw it downfield, there's another NFC South quarterback who can throw it downfield. And he suffered a couple – a different drops the other day, but he looked much, much better. And it's Tom Brady. And I I know everyone wanted to bury him after week one because that's what we do, right? Everyone has to do that. Look, I picked Tom Brady to be MVP. And after a couple of weeks, that might be a little, little rough, little bold, because I'm not sure he's going to have the stats uh, until midway point. But I look at that roster. They didn't have Chris Godwin and Gronk hasn't really been a factor in this offense yet at all. And they can still, put up points and that's the thing is they have three or four drops you know Brady could have ended up with 350 to 400 yards they're just not in sync yet and we got to remember it look this is about when the reps they've gotten the first couple of weeks is about all of the preseason reps and training camp reps and offseason reps that they would have gotten normally so I think the Bucks watch out because I think they're coming I think they're going to whoop up on Denver this week and and really start to to get in sync and once that happens, looking at that talent, your, your old friend Leonard Fournette, yeah, who I, I think he's going to thrive there. I think he's going to be that starter there, catch out of the backfield. And, uh, and that offense is going to be something to mess with and, and really reckon with. And, and the part that no one talks about with the Buccaneers, or not many do, that defense is legit. legit. They got guys at all three levels that can run, can hit, can tackle, can get after the passer. I love their defense. I think they're built – uh, to not hit their stride in September or October, but much like Brady in New England, November rolls around, they're going to be good. December rolls around, they're going to be feeling really good about themselves going into the playoffs. You're right. And I, I'm going to give our listeners, I'm glad you mentioned Tampa because I'm going to piggyback off of that. If there's someone I, you want to watch this week, just watch Devin White. <laughs> watch the Mike mm-hmm. linebacker. 
If you if you had fun watching Ray Lewis and Luke Keekley and Patrick Willis and Bobby Wack, watch Devin White and the way he attacks next to Levante David. You are, if you're watching hard nosed football and you want to see it played in an old school way, watch Devin White and have you a good time. Finally, uh, before we end this segment, let's talk about what we saw uh, in the night game between uh, Sunday between Cameron Newton and Russell Wilson. Was that high-level quarterback play uh, at its peak? And did it feel good to see Cam Newton looking like Cam Newton once again? And, and to me, it makes the Patriots uh, a scary team for a lot of people uh, this season. They're going to be scary because they're going to get a vertical threat. Bill Belichick, the last thing he wants to hear is how Tom Brady's winning in Tampa Bay. <laughs> you know, so as bullish as I am on, on Tom and Tampa – I think that the, the Patriots are going to be right there in the AFC East. I think I had them at 9-7 and seven before the year. They might be better than that. And I'm actually more concerned about the defense than the offense because I think they'll make a trade to get that vertical threat. And I, I love this for Cam because of all the doubters, all the crap he took, all the people calling him selfish and all this. Man, whatever. I, I, I love that he's going there. And, and honestly, as great as Russell Wilson played, I wanted Cam to get that touchdown. And I, uh, I, I honestly, I didn't love the play call. I know some said it was fine. I would love to get Cam rolling out with the ability to run or throw. Give him both options, you know, and I, and I know Josh McDaniels, but that was my, my one gripe. Uh, on the flip side, I'm going to go ahead and crown it, Tony. Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in football. Wow. He, he, he is. And I thought it last year at times and even the year before. And the reason I've thought that is because he does more with less. Right? Pat Mahomes – He's got the best tight end in football or the second best tight end, the fastest guy and the best deep threat in football, one of the best offensive minds. Uh, You you know, Lamar Jackson, the whole offense is catered toward him. And if you're up 10 against Lamar, he hasn't brought him back yet. He's just not there yet. Russell Wilson can do it all. He could be down 10. He could be up 20. uh, He could have an awful offensive line. He could have young receivers. He could have fast receivers, slow receivers. And and that's that's what makes you special. He can beat you with his legs. I mean, some of the throws he made, the other night he is on another level now yeah. like this this Russell Wilson that we saw on Monday Night Football is not the guy we saw a couple of years ago and so I I think as of right now and I know a lot of people are talking MVP and all that stuff I, I don't I'm really you know it's early to focus on that but I think if I had to pick one quarterback and I'm the biggest Brady fan there is but it's Russell Wilson you know Pat Mahomes would probably be second but I think it's Russell Wilson right now I think he just does so much more with less and if you have deficiencies it isn't going to matter. He's going to be able to hide him. Yep. Sounds really, really good, man. And I, it's hard to argue with that point. Very, very hard to argue. We're going to get to another segment here uh, on Locked on NFL. We previewed at the beginning of the season, we previewed the NFC North. And right now there's a team that is stumbling and bumbling through the NFC North and they just can't ride their bikes without training wheels. We're going to talk to the guy that covers said team. The team is the Detroit Lions and that man is Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. We're going to have him on as a special guest to tell us what in the you-know-what is going on in Detroit. And we'll do that in just a second here on Locked On NFL. This season, get football on your time with the NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all of the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You also learn 
from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, welcome back to the second segment of the Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL with James Rapine and Tony Wiggins. And we have Matt Derry from Locked On Lions. James Rapine has Kenny Galladay on his fantasy teams. And uh, Matt Derry might need to help him out with that a little bit because <laughs> uh, I don't think he knows what to do with it, do you, James? I, I have no idea, Matt. He's, uh, and uh, look, a lot of fantasy footballers out there are hurting with all the injuries that have gone on across the NFL. But give us the latest while you're joining us. And thanks for joining us, by the way. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter, at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks. Uh, let's start with Kenny Galladay. Where is he at? Is he going to be back? Can I safely plug him into my lineups this week? Uh, well, first of all, guys, great to talk to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he'll be back. You know, the hamstring injury, a lot of the, the Lions have been, uh, I wouldn't say decimated, but there have been a lot of, soft tissue injuries with this football team going back to the week before week one. So you had a bunch of guys, including Jeffrey Okuda out with a hamstring or a groin for Galladay. It was, it was, it was, it was a bad timing certainly. Uh, but here we are after two games, he has missed both of the, the first two, but uh, Sunday 425 Eastern against Arizona uh, from what I'm being told, he will be back. And it's interesting. I look at this Lions team and it felt like they should get a win in week one. And, you know, we can dissect that and talk about the drop at the end or, you know, whatever you want to do. And then last week they get off to a decent start against the Packers. And I thought they might hang in there, but they, they find themselves in a familiar position. Oh, and two. Well, what's uh, the seat like right now for Matt Patricia in Detroit? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's very hot. You know, <laughs> here's the thing here in Detroit, you're never going to know what's going on because ownership really doesn't say much. And now they're in a transition with Sheila Ford Hamp, daughter of Martha Ford, who of course was the late William Clay Ford senior's uh, wife. And she owned the team here for a handful of years, but now she has handed the reins over to her daughter. Her daughter's in his late, in her late sixties and, you know, had made the comment before the season, Hey, our goal is to win. Uh, we like where we're headed, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is Matt Patricia's 9-24-1 in two-plus seasons. Bob mm -hmm. Quinn in five years as general manager uh, has yet to, to, to you know, get a playoff win. You look at the material on the field, it's not very good. I, I thought coming in that this team was going to be better. I thought the roster was improved. I thought the offense was really going to be good. The offense so far doesn't look halfway bad. But, fellas, I mean – Tony, James, they cannot get stops. Their defense is abysmal. And Patricia was hired years ago for, you know, that very reason, to, to, to get, you know, the defense going. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah, well, that was a surprise to me because, one, because of what you just said. But, two, uh, Okuda got baptized this week by the best release guy in the NFL and Devontae Adams. And oh, by the way, it doesn't matter if you cover or not. Aaron Rodgers is one of the dudes that 
I mean, he'll fit anything between any. You can, you can have a receiver blanketed, and he'll find a way to get the ball. I was just shocked that when you draft a rookie corner that you get rid of Darius Slay. And I, I don't know what kind of money issues they had in Detroit, but it would seem to me that if you draft a rookie like Akuda, you would want to keep Slay because now that gives you bookends and it gives him a guy to learn from. What was behind the why they got rid of Darius Slay? Because it seemed like from a playing perspective, he still had something in the tank. Oh, yeah. I mean, Darius Slay, Tony, is, was their best football player the last couple of years. He was their lone pro bowler until Galladay was added as an alternate two years in a row. But the bottom line is, is that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have this patriot way of doing things. They want their type of guys in their system and in their organization. And any veteran player that they inherited, Slay, Quandre Diggs, Snacks Harrison, who they actually picked up, uh, you know, TJ Lang, Golden Tate, guys like that, that really didn't fit what they wanted to do. Guys that were vociferous on Twitter, they brew them out of town. And they want their type of guy. And Darius Slay was not their type of guy. Darius occasionally uh, said some stuff on social media. Darius' attitude wasn't great last year. But when you've been with the Detroit Lions for all these years and you just keep losing, what do you expect? But on the football field, yes, he would have clearly been their best cover corner. You're in a division against the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. And, and Mitch Trubisky, you can't beat. He, he, he looks like Joe Namath against the Lions. Mm-hmm. Going back three years ago. So... It, 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 was, it was time for Darius to go. He wanted a, a big contract after this season, uh, but he would have been under contract for this year, but they elected to trade him. But the problem is when you trade him for a three and a five like they did, you've got to draft well. And what they traded him for in a three and a five was Julian O'Quara, an extra third-round pick who was a healthy scratch this week as a pass rusher, and their fifth-round pick, Jason Huntley, they cut. So you can't miss on those deals if you're going to trade your best guy and then draft poorly with the picks you got in that deal. That's an indictment on the general manager, Bob Quinn, right there. Yeah, I look around the, the NFC North, and Aaron Rodgers is, is clearly on a uh, – I don't even know what to call it, a, a comeback tour or whatever to remind the rest of the league that he's still you know, an elite player. Obviously, uh, the Vikings are, are off to, to a bad start, but – uh, the Bears, you know, 2-0. and Mitch Trubisky ap- appears uh, to be that guy. We'll see if he can continue to to excel. But where is the, the direction of the Lions, Matt? Like, is there a scenario where Matt Patricia can turn this around and, and be the coach next year? Or is it very much a, you know, and I know we're only two weeks in, but is it a transition type year where the writing's on the wall, things are going to have to change, the culture's going to have to change, and they uh, they kind of blow things up at the end of the year? Well, they don't think so. The Lions think they're really good. There's an arrogance about this front office and coaching staff where they just think, hey, this is, we're going to be fine. We're going to get this together. Patricia actually said on the post game, and I had this on my Locked on Lions show um, yesterday. Patricia actually said in the post game interview with Lomas Brown, the Lions radio analyst, we knew this month, this first month would be bad, would, would not be good. But what does that mean? I, I told our team we knew the first month would not be good. What? Like, yeah, the, the schedule's not easy, but you, you got to beat the Bears at home. You let them by 17 in the, in, the, in the fourth quarter. You blew that game. You let them by 11 at Lambeau. I know it was early, but they came out and they punched the Packers in the mouth this past Sunday, and they led 14-3. to three. The offense is talented. You get Galladay back this week. You got a healthy Matthew Stafford. I love what Adrian Peterson's brought to the table. Carrion Johnson looks good. DeAndre Swift, other than dropping the pass in week one, 
has some ability. The O-line has improved. You know, the tight end they seem to like in Hawkinson, and they got plenty of receivers. So they're going to score some points. But like I said before, I mean, James, they just cannot stop anybody. Their front seven is an embarrassment. Uh, I don't know what they're doing on the back end with their safeties. I really like Tracy Walker. They've rotated him in and out with this third-year, uh, second-year guy, Will Harris, the third-round the, the third pick from BC at safety. It makes no sense. Walker's definitely a better player. Their linebackers are a mess. You know, Jamie Collins, they need him on the field. They need him rushing the passer and doing a lot of different things. And he gets ejected from the first game for headbutting a ref. So uh, it's, it's been a mess here. It's Isn't just, that weird considering Patricia? It, sorry Say to cut again? you off, Matt. It, it, isn't that weird considering Patricia is a defensive coach? Like, shouldn't yes. he be able to make up for some deficiencies on that side? Right. I mean, when you're 31st in the league last year, you fire – well, he retired, Paul Pasqualoni. You replace him with a new D coordinator who was a first-year guy in Corey Unglin who's never done it before. But you figure if the defense can just be 17th, 20th, the offense will, will be fine, and they'll hopefully get better. And instead, they're 31st again. They can't stop the run. Uh, Stafford's made some big mistakes, took a bad sack in the fourth quarter against the Bears, and then this week a pick six out of his own end zone and a sack late in the first half that enabled Green Bay to call a timeout, get the football back, and score. So – Stafford hasn't been blameless either. So this Sunday at Arizona is going to be a big one. If they can go out there and beat a 2-0 team and get some momentum, who knows? They could come home and beat New Orleans. We all saw them last night. They're, they're, they're beatable. If they start 0-3, they're, they're, they're going to be very lucky that the fans are not going to be booing them at home when they get back in a couple of weeks with no fans in the stadium. I'll tell you what, when they're winning, when Patricia was the defensive coordinator and they were winning and he had that pencil in his ear, fans are going – He's a mad scientist. He needs that pencil because he's always got something to important to write down. When they're losing and he has that pencil in his ear, Detroit fans are like, he needs to take that dumb pencil out of his ear. That's what he needs to do. I'm telling yeah. you. And, he, people, and, he, and, you know where, and you know where he can shove it. Yep, people <laughs> will switch up on you real quick. Matt, man, has been fun. It's overdue. Uh, we'd love to have you on. By the way, I, I know you don't get all caught up. You've been doing this an awful long time, so you don't feel bad. You've seen it, just like me with the Jaguars. We've seen bad stuff, and uh, Rapine has seen bad stuff in, in Cincinnati. But uh, maybe we need to go give Lucas Braun up with Locked on the Vikings a hug because Lucas probably thought the Vikings were going <laughs> to the Super Bowl, and they might be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes right now. They're not doing well up in the NFC North. <laughs> No, the, uh, you know, I said the Vikings were going to win at the start of the year, the division. I just thought they were solid. I love their identity. I love the, the mixture of Spielman and, and Zimmer uh, up at the top. You got to have good leadership at the top. But boy, oh boy, Green Bay, like you said earlier, uh, Tony, they're on a mission. This Rogers revenge tour, whatever it is, Green Bay looks very, very good. Uh, and, and just wait until the, you know, the Smith brothers get going. I mean, even the Lions did an okay job of protecting Stafford this past week, but you got to be impressed with what Green Bay is doing so far. So appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Matt Derry, Locked On Lions, joining us here, James Rapine and Tony Wiggins, here on Locked On NFL. All right, man, coming up, we have a treat. Benjamin Zolak will join us uh, and talk NFL draft and talk some rookies. We'll do that in the third segment here on Locked On NFL. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. 
Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On NFL with Benjamin Solak from Locked On NFL Draft. So make sure you check him out there. And Ben, there's uh, you know a lot to discuss when you talk about these rookies. But obviously, uh, I'm in Cincinnati as Locked On Bengals host. How impressive has Joe Burrow been in your eyes over the first couple of weeks? Yeah, he's as was ordered, right? He's what you, you paid for with the first overall pick going through the season that you went through. Burrow at LSU, uh, you know, when you remember what he was as a starter in 2018 and then into 2019, it wasn't that he got particularly better at throwing the football. It wasn't that he got particularly more athletic. He certainly got more comfortable in the offense. It was just what he was able to do in, in clutch situations, the game against Auburn, the game against Florida, the game against Alabama. You know, like he, he was consistently rising to the occasion. And he was always so cool. He was always so comfortable. It was that five-man protection that he was getting at LSU where he was inviting pressure. He was responsible for blitzers, and yet it never seemed to phase him. And then he enters the league, multiple two-minute drills with the, with the game potentially on the line, key situations. Obviously, the L.A. game was the game that they should have won. And then the, the Browns game was a little bit decided, but still pushing there in the fourth quarter. He is so cool in the no huddle he is so cool orchestrating things at, at high speeds and that is not something you typically see a rookie quarterback so uh, is the the depth of target low yes it is and with a better offensive line better receivers that get a little bit deeper and that zach taylor offense with, with a, a player like burrow he's probably never going to be a huge air it out sort of a guy so certainly right now you wish the passing game were a little more explosive i think that's going to come with time right now He's clearly what you wanted. That, that which made him successful at LSU has translated to the league. Now it's about building around him and continuing his development. A lot of people, uh, uh, Benjamin uh, Solak uh, from Locked On uh, NFL Draft talking to us. Uh, ben, I covered the Jaguars here with Locked On Jaguars. And uh, a lot of people love to give Joe Brady a, a lot of the credit and say, well, that's not what you're going to see. Um, they can't say that about Gardner Minshew, though. You know, most people thought, you know, it was that Mike Leach air raid type offense. And Gardner Minshew has continued. It, it has taken weeks and weeks and weeks. It, I wasn't even on board, right? Because some of the stuff you see, you go, well, you know, he can't do that. He can't get away with that. And he continues to week by week get away with stuff. How impressed with you with him being a second-year player and how I'm impressed with you as some of the young players like LaVisca Chenault and this kid, James Robinson, who everyone passed on, how are they able to do what they've been able to do and matriculate the ball down the field with so many rookies contributing? They have 18 on their roster right now. Yeah, no, a lot of credit goes to Jay Gruden, who, who uh, I know Jay from his time in Washington. He was in my division as an Eagles fan. As a head coach, getting guys, you know, amped up, working with Kirk Cousins, kind of the, the, the interpersonal aspect of that was never necessarily his strength, but he puts good offensive designs out on the field. He knows how to call an offense. He knows how to design an offense. Now the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, listen, I mean, you don't complete 19 out of 20 passes by accident. That takes something from your quarterback, certainly, but also takes something from your offensive designer to say, listen, this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to throw against it, and this is how we're going to be successful. That was a consummate game plan. You see what then they're able to do against the Titans, putting up 30, showing that that passing offense can be a little bit more explosive, a little bit more downfield. The player like DJ Chark, Minshew, it, it, the arm strength isn't top tier. The, 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 you know, the, the physical frame isn't top tier, but he is extremely smart and extremely good at managing the game. He is risk averse. He knows how to survive. He knows how to scramble. He knows how to pick up a little bit, nickel and dime you, fight to a manageable third 
third down and just keep that train chugging. So he will keep your offense on schedule, and he's executing for Jay very well. What Gruden's bringing then with LaVisca Chenault and with motion, with reduced sets, obviously getting James Robinson to, to rumble behind that offensive line a little bit is all impressive. I think that Chenault was such a good player coming out of Colorado, fell in the draft because of injury concerns. But to me, he was a, a higher-ranked wide receiver than both the Alabama kids, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. I had him just below C.D. Lamb in that wide receiver room. He's going to be great for a long time for as long as he stays healthy. And then the big improvement is that offensive line, which was a little bit shaky last year despite having the talent to be better. Second-year player Jawan Taylor has been real nifty for them at the bookend. Obviously, Cam Robinson already steady at left tackle. Andrew Norwell, it's a good offensive line. They move people around. That gives Minshew the time he needs to navigate the pocket, distribute the football, do his checkdowns. Jay Gruden's got a good system there. And I'm not sure it's going to be a top 10, top eight offense in the league, but for the talent he's got, he's producing a lot. It's impressive to see. And let's stick with the quarterback position and another young guy, rookie made his debut the other day and Justin Herbert. And he's a guy that a lot of draft analysts looked at and said, yeah, he, he needs a year. He needs some time to, to develop and, and learn the NFL game and adjust uh, after his days at Oregon and he finds out about three seconds before kickoff <laughs> that he has to go up against the defending champions mm-hmm. and, and get that start, uh, you know, and he, he completes 66% of his passes, throws for over 300 yards, and, and really has a, a good showing in an overtime loss to the Chiefs. Were you surprised at Herbert's performance, and what did you like? Yeah, I think if you were buying Herbert's stock when he came out, you were buying it more so as a year two thing. When I wrote about Herbert's fit with the Chargers uh, after the draft pick, I even said we shouldn't really start grading this draft pick until 2021 because Herbert's going to be a guy that needs time to come along. Well, here you are week two, Steve Spagnuolo defense in Kansas City. They're going to blitz from a lot of different directions. That's a tough ask for a rookie quarterback. Shane Steichen is the offensive coordinator in LA did a really good job getting Herbert into that, which with which he was already comfortable pistol offense, QB runs, RPOs, quick stuff to the intermediate, all the things that he saw at Oregon, he was seeing again in LA and that kept him comfortable and it kept him confident. And when you have a player like Herbert who feels comfortable in the offense, who feels emboldened and empowered to make the plays that he can make, that's where you get throws like the Keenan Allen throw, the one that was all over the timeline, unbelievable window throw under pressure. Even the touchdown he threw was a really nice, well-placed ball against a leveraged defender. That's about as accurate as you ever saw Herbert look at Oregon. He won the most accurate passer there. He looked nice and accurate against uh, the Chiefs for L.A. So they, they've got a tricky situation. Anthony Lynn figuring out if he's going to start Tyrod Taylor, if he's going to start Justin Herbert. You know, he alluded to the fact that there's stuff they want to do as an offense that they don't feel they can do with Herbert yet. A lot of the under center play action, deep vertical shot stuff that you saw with Tyrod on week one. So I understand where they're coming from. But this was about as good of a, of a debut as you could have expected for Herbert out of Oregon. And I think they'd be well served to continue seeing what he's got in this offense that they, they called for him in week two. Because if this will help his development, he's the future. He's the guy that you want to be putting out there, not necessarily Tyrod Taylor. Great performance. I'd like to see more of him this year. Speaking again with Benjamin Solak uh, of Locked On NFL Draft, also of uh, the draft report. Uh, there's a lot of GMs that say stuff, you know, uh, you know, and some of it's, you know, paralysis by analysis, right? Mm-hmm. We saw this year, and I spoke on this last week, where a, a lot of these guys didn't have a chance to go and usurp the scouts. These guys that go out there and bang the table for these guys a year, eating peanut butter and banana sandwiches in rental cars, you know, driving from place to place to place. These guys, the scouts basically won on draft night because they had their say 
carry more weight because they didn't get a chance for people to poke their head into their business because those guys didn't get a chance to because of COVID. Now, the, the GMs are basically saying if we don't see a lot of guys who play because they opted out or because their leagues didn't play, we'll give more credence. And it was Kevin Colbert for Pittsburgh, who they do a very good job in their player personnel evaluations. But he said, we'll give more credence to the guys that we see play. And it's, and he, and he made, he was very clear that it wasn't going to, you know, it's nothing against the guy's character that decided not to play, but he was just saying, we just, we like to watch guys who play because Pittsburgh has been on record saying they like to see guys with a body of work. My question to you is this, from your experience in, in scouting, if it's clear, and Pittsburgh won't be in this position, but if you're sitting there looking at Jamar Chase and then some receiver who played this year, come on, will the talent make you go, well, whatever, we didn't see him play, but we know who it is. In some of these cases when guys didn't play, won't you know he's still better than the other guy? And will you think in most cases that allow the, the, the GM to make the right choice? It, yeah, it's an interesting conversation because there's that trap door, which is, you know, if we have two guys who are equally graded, you know, we'll, we'll take the guy who played this past year. It's like, well, you never really have two guys who are equally graded. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like that, that, that's not a reality that you really have to reckon with. That's a hypothetical for a GM who's basically just communicating that he wants to see as many players play this year as possible. And of course you do. You know what I mean? You have guys who are extremely productive as, as young freshmen last year, and now they're coming into the redshirt sophomore year, and you want to heat check and make sure that they are what they seem. Greg Rousseau, the edge out of Miami, who's opted out, is a perfect example of that. You have guys who really came on in the end of last year. They had a nice few last performances, and you want to see if they carry that into this year. Caleb Farley, uh, Virginia Tech, was another opt-out. was a good example of that. Played his best ball at the end of the season. More data won't hurt. You said paralysis by analysis. It can. There are certainly times where we can, we can get too much into it. But in general, another season's worth of film is going to help us figure out who these players are. And that's what GMs want to do, is they want to be able to get as good of a beat on who these players are. So – Kevin's trying to communicate that that's what he wants. And so you bring up this hypothetical of two players who are evenly graded. Listen, it's going to be very difficult to come up with any wide receiver in this class who can evenly grade out with Jamar Chase. It doesn't really matter if Jamar Chase never <laughs> takes another snap for LSU. That's, good. that's a good football player. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a little bit of a hypothetical that will never come to bear. Of course, the league wants to see these guys play as much as possible. There's a lot of money to be made for guys who are out there. But Jamar Chase, Michael Parsons, uh, uh, even Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech corner I mentioned, these guys are going top 15. They're going top 15 without taking another snap. There's no two ways about that. If you're the Jets and the way it appears right now, and you have a say, – let's say the season continues to look the way it looks. Is it time to give up on Darnold or do you move on from Gase and let's just say get another coach, an offensive-minded coach, but what if you're sitting there with the number one pick? Do you just say, you know what? I'm going to do what they did in Arizona. I'm going to get what I can for this guy, and I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it, the, the, the reality is that like, if you have the first overall pick, it means you are real bad, right? And that's the thing right. with Jets fans. When the Jets made the Jamal Adams trade with Seattle, and all of a sudden they had three first-round picks uh, across the next two years. They had an extra third-round pick. I wrote about the fact that they now had a war chest to trade up for a quarterback if they wanted to. And a lot of Jets fans told me they're not going to be doing that. They like Sam Donald. Sam Donald can be good. Well, the reality is Sam Donald can be as good as you want. If you're picking top 10, it's because your team was bad. If your team was bad, you need a new everything. You're going to get a new head coach. You're going to get the front office looked at. Obviously, Joe Douglas has, has got a couple more years left of good faith. But, you know, he, he retooled that offensive line this past year. 
and that offensive line ain't good. You know, so we're, that, everything's going to get looked at, and that's going to include Darnold. And even if, you know, Darnold, the moment he gets out from Adam Gase, ends up a good player, you've got one more year in New York of having him under his rookie deal before you have to give him the fifth-year option and then potentially extend him. So this isn't a question of how good can Darnold be without Gase. It's a question of how long do you have to figure out how good Darnold can be without Gase. Because at some point you got to pay the young man. And so you might want to make that somebody else's problem, especially when you're sitting there with enough picks or with an early enough pick to go get a quarterback who – is much more likely to be good than Sam Donald is because he hasn't been bad in the NFL for three years. So if you're at a point where you're in a range to pick a quarterback, something went wrong with your current quarterback. That's the simple fact. And with a quarterback prospect of Lawrence's caliber available, the Jets are going to go after that player, especially as this is a new GM who didn't draft Sam Donald, and we imagine a new head coach who didn't draft Sam Donald. Wow. Damn, that was good. I mean, it, it – you know, we'll we'll get there when we get there. But Jets fans got to go at their own pace, and I respect that. Woo, Rapine, that was that was awesome, wasn't it, man? That answered yeah, the question, I, didn't it? It did, no doubt about it. I'll take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. See you, Darnold. See you, Sam. Benjamin Solak, <laughs> man, thank you very much, man, for your time here on Locked On NFL, man. And uh, we'll listen out for you uh, on Locked On uh, NFL Draft, man. I really, really appreciate that, man. I, I learned a lot today, man. And I'm going to steal all that stuff. By the way, when you Me hear too. it on Locked On Jaguars, <laughs> I ain't going to even give you credit for it, bro. I'm gonna that was it. all you. I'm going to say it like I, like I was the first one to say it, all right? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, Tony. I appreciate it, James. Thanks for having all right. me. All right, man. Thank you. Man, that was good. That was real good, James. That was real good. Man, we appreciate it, man. This is another great episode with uh, – James and Tony here, uh, Locked on Jaguars, Locked on Bengals. Please uh, make sure you tune in. Tune in every single day, in fact, here on Locked on NFL Network. Great shows all around the entire network here uh, on Locked on NFL Network. Follow along on Spotify. Uh, please make sure you uh, subscribe on Apple, uh, subscribe on Google Podcasts and iTunes, and tune in daily to Locked on Jaguars and to Locked on Bengals as well. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.